0: Hello everybody, and welcome to the Red Hot Chili Prepper Podcast. This is episode thirty one. I'm Suzanne Sherman. Jeff Johnson is joining me today. Today we're going to talk about property rights and land ownership. Some concepts that can affect homesteaders in particular, in particular those that want to live off the grid including a discussion of uh, weighing the individual rights versus respecting or acknowledging collective needs. I was originally going to start this with an entirely different article, but the one that inspired that is really long, really heady, and that deserves a show in and of itself. We've got some things that uh, we're going to cover today that will be a great precursor to that discussion so uh, bear with us and this is going to be part of a series on this topic. Before we get rolling, want to remind you we broadcast live both shows from facebook.com Suzanne Sherman's the Wasatch Report radio show, the Red Hot Chili Prepper page. We don't broadcast live from there, but that's if you want to follow this show exclusively and ignore the politics. If you're interested in our politics, check out the Wasatch Report radio show also on Facebook. If you're not joining us for the live, presentation live stream anchor fm to go there you can springboard to at least seven other platforms that are covering the show and you can support the show for as little as 99 cents a month from anchor directly you can also support us by going to my website suzanne c sherman.com articles published by the 10th amendment center the american conservative the abbeville institute are there on the page suzanne's articles blogs concerning current events as well as preparedness, homesteading, self-reliance, lifestyle also there. And we have a uh, suggested reading page that will give you some Amazon affiliate links. That's another way you can support us by purchasing the reading material on that page. And we get some, some money thrown at us from Amazon and it doesn't cost you any more to support us by getting something you wanted anyway. Speaking of reading the Lost Frontier Handbook, Will be available in print this month, I'm really excited to say, and I have written an additional chapter to um the ebook that was already out, and that's going to be about chickens and backyard birds, so I think you'll enjoy that immensely. I had a lot of fun writing it, as I said, the printed copy is out. If you've already ordered the ebook version, all you will need to do is pay for shipping, speaking of land, I just also recorded or I'm about to record, I should say a promo video about how to acquire free land. And there's a chapter dedicated that to that in the Lost Frontier Handbook. So please consider ordering that book. Learn the ways of the pioneers. It is your ultimate guide for self-reliance. Jeff, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing pretty well. It's a day off, so it's always good. So, um, uh, well, let's just get right to it. I, I don't have anything to say at this point.
0: I'm, I'm actually... I'm, very,
1: uh, I'm just very, very boring today. I don't know why.
0: <laughs> I, I'm actually, I'll tell you right now, I, I am a little groggy. You could tell by my intro that I completely bumbled, but my neighbors are pretty much wild animals. The human neighbors are about a half a mile away. And last night, something came rampaging across my porch. I heard these echoes and something uh, up and down the canyon. And and my cat, in, in an article I wrote for Survival Dispatch about repurposing your your pets for a life after a collapse, I mentioned what great Guardians I should say watchdogs <laughs> that cats can be so I don't know what was going on but one of my cats was actually sitting upright and growling towards the window so but we'll power through I had some coffee and we'll do this you know one of the concepts we the questions we see is do you actually own your land Jeff you uh, and we know the answer we know that we're really just renting it and this is what I tell them when I go into the um, office of the the tax collector here and Colville, when I have to go and pay my fees to the Summit County Sandinistas, I walk in, I say, I'm here to pay my annual rent on my land, which as we know is so property I, taxes.
1: I always put on mine, and I always post a picture of it, and because I just, I'm proving to everyone, I do what I say I'm doing. I put on my check, right on the memo, I put the year and the, uh, the words, my tax extortion payment. And because that's what it is, they're extorting me to live on my land. So I mean, I hate to get political. This is not a political show, but it, really, when it comes down to it, you don't own your land. They will take it away from you if you don't pay the extortion demand. That's well, simple. a lot, of, a lot simple.
0: of homesteaders, a lot of homesteaders, and people that are self-reliant do value their property and their property rights. Jeff Biggs is commenting Bigfoot. Now I'll tell you this: I know this is out here in the Utah hinterlands, the Wasatch back, and the Uintas. And I know people who personally attest to the fact that they have seen them and heard them, but that's a topic for another show. There's some weird stuff going out in Utah, Phil. You also know we've talked about skinwalkers before and a skinwalker ranch out in your neck of the woods. But let's get back to the uh, issue of land ownership. Jeff, you sent an article over my way that I really found interesting because this is also a recent article. And uh, this came out of Polk County, Georgia This came from thefreethoughtproject.com. Family has been kicked off their own property while trying to live sustainably. I've got a whole list of articles that we're gonna cover for this in the next several shows, but let's just start with this one. It's really hard to focus on just one, but I'm gonna make myself do it. There's no question that 2020 was one of the most difficult years in American history as the government shut down the economy. First of all, I love this article already is they're not blaming COVID. They're blaming these stinking, okay, This is not the Wasatch Report. The government shut down the economy. I I know, because this gets so
1: frustrating. (laughs) I get so frustrated. This article frustrates the heck out of me.
0: (laughs) Driving unemployment to record levels and forcing businesses to close their doors forever. Tens of millions of Americans found themselves in dire straits to deal with unprecedented hard times. Again, this is why I say be prepared and have the knowledge to be self-sustaining and self-reliance some folks like tim leslie and his family began to get creative buying property and homesteading however because the land of the free is but a fleeting myth in this country government officials did all they could to thwart it last year tim leslie lost his job with no other options he bought a plot of land parked an rv on it and began to live off the land on the property he has chickens goats and a vegetable garden for his wife and their two kids. They have a nine-year-old and an 18-month-old baby. We plan on building our forever home here, growing old and giving it to our kids, he told the TV station uh, locally. So after he lost his job, he took his life savings and his pension, his 401k, and bought property. And he did this in November of last year, that would be 2020. The family's dreams of homesteading on their property came to a grinding halt and has morphed into a nightmare thanks to the intrusive and utterly cruel nature of the state. Now, Jeff, when I first started reading this, that they had purchased their own property, I'm thinking to myself, well, you know, we really have to understand what the zoning ordinances are in the community. And we tell people frequently, if you're looking at purchasing property, if you want to become a homesteader, get some land out, You know, in a a more rural area away from people, you still have to be cognizant of some of the restrictions in the area where you live there. We're going to share a listener comment and then we're going to get back to it. Phil Clark, North Dakota, his former home, had the opportunity to get out of property tax once and for all. But the Democrats in the big cities voted no. And that's frequently what happens. You get the city dwellers that are constantly laying down because of just their they're outnumbering us numerically. The policies for the rest of the states. We see that in upstate New York. We see that in California. We see that in Washington, Oregon, et cetera, and in Utah as well. Adam Barnett, welcome back. He was on our show last week. Our representatives were the ones who created the laws. It's like we, uh, it's like we did it to ourselves. You know, I have to say, oftentimes these representatives get into office and then create laws to benefit themselves. These
1: are representatives that did this a long time ago. I didn't vote for these representatives that did this. I mean, did you vote for the representatives that passed these property taxes on your property? No, no. I didn't. in some cases, they're decades, uh, almost uh, probably in some cases, hundreds of years old, 100 years old. These are long before we were ever on the scene. We never voted for any of this, but we're stuck with this theft, this uh, having to pay rent. And in this case, in this article, which is just so disconcerting, yeah. it's just we didn't vote for these things. And we didn't vote for the representatives that did these things, but we're still saddled with the havoc that they've created from decades ago.
0: Well, and this is this is a very common uh, thing we see here, is people will use the term we when referencing their form of representative government. We live in a representative government, but that doesn't mean that these people represent our interests, as we're going to see here. And uh, yes, Adam continues, the sins of the fathers are stuck on the children. You know, Thomas Jefferson said that it is, Uh, Immoral for one generation to bind further generations in debt. But getting back to the article, he said that the family is no longer living on their own property, which they purposed, let me, which they purposed, purposed for the English speakers, goodness, and instead are living in an RV park because county officials forced them to move, insisting that the family. Uh, issued the family a steep fine. And this is how they get you. They issued these draconian fines that you will never be able to pay off. Do you remember, uh, Jeff, that that family, the landowners in Wyoming, they made a stock pond on their property, which was legal pursuant to Wyoming state law, but in violation during the Obama administration of their draconian overreach. So the EPA came down on them. It was going to be $75,000 a day, but they had that on there. I think the Supreme Court actually did overturn this, but they went through hassles for years on their own land, conforming to state law. So uh, he said before he could go to court, they showed up at the property, building inspector and the code enforcement officer, and told me I had to be off my land or they were going to seize my vehicle and my assets. Civil asset forfeiture, ladies and gentlemen, brewing its ugly head again. Civil asset forfeiture, you, before you think we're an entirely a right wing show here, is the darling of the law enforcement, you know, conservatives out here. And we absolutely take umbrage to civil asset forfeiture. But here you go once again. Well, if you don't move off the land you purchased, we're just going to take your land. The presumption of innocence doesn't seem to exist for these people. So the article continues by saying that the move here is especially insidious for two reasons. First, obviously, he and his family own the property, and no one should be able to tell them what to do on it. Well, is that true? That's something we're going to get into, especially due to the fact that they are struggling during unprecedented times in a pandemic. This is what caught my eye, Jeff. You know, this is something that these people did in an emergency situation to make their lives better, to remove themselves from the danger of society, which we know the government says now society is very dangerous. In fact, if you're going to venture out into society, uh, you have to stand six feet away from anybody else daring to venture into society, and you must cover your face with a cloth. Not because it does anything, but because it just shows that, you know, you're responsible, you care, or you respect those that are vulnerable to this. What's going yeah, to... hold
1: say, say it. That yeah. was sarcasm, folks. She doesn't really believe that, because <laughs> I don't
0: I'm. That's their perspective. That's, that's their, their point perspective, of view. But that's yes. a
1: sarcasm on our part because we. That's not how we no. feel about. It.
0: So, I have. A anyway, story. I. I'm totally.
1: I didn't her. want people to, to think that we're like this touchy feely. Oh, we're just so. We just believe in mass and being social distance, and we, you know, we love everyone, so we have to do this stuff.
0: Anybody that follows our page will learn different okay. right away. Uh, so. Here's the thing that struck me is they said, if if the government can essentially, we've seen now for a year, the government can essentially do anything it wants because of a pandemic. What about people just trying to survive doing what they need to do because of the pandemic? Government grants itself special privileges that are absolutely forbidden to the rank and file citizen. I could understand if these people were perhaps breaking some sort of a zoning ordinance that was causing a risk of harm to their neighbors, but we're clearly not seeing that here. And then we'll get onto those other scenarios as we continue to unpack these, uh, these hypotheticals. So the second reason that they said that this, is, that this is insidious is that he checked. Remember, I said, no, your zoning ordinances the codes before you buy property, especially for homesteading or if you want to raise dogs, that sort of thing. Actually, i am going to write a note about that because there's something I want to mention about dogs. According to the interview he did on TV, he checked the community codes before he bought the land. And he showed them the section, the government agencies uh, representatives that showed up, that allows use for single family dwellings in an agricultural district. His home was in a designated agricultural district. Under that county's, this is Polk County, Georgia, definition for dwellings, it specifically includes manufactured homes, mobile homes, industrialized buildings, and recreational vehicle. Is a motor home a recreational vehicle, Jeff?
1: I believe so. I, I'm not quite sure. I mean, if you, know, you have a recreational vehicle that yeah, has it, an engine in I, it, I have a recreational vehicle that doesn't. It's a it's a fifth wheel. But, so I have a rec. I mean, yes, recreational vehicles are recreational vehicles. I mean, it's pretty. That's common language. I mean, it's not like it takes a brain surgeon to figure out what a recreational vehicle is.
0: Recreational vehicles like motorhomes are frequently referred to as RVs. Coincidence? I think not. Here's another thing. When I have to pay the crown for my annual sticker on my horseless carriage home, I asked, why is this so expensive? I mean, the price value right now is commensurate with other vehicles I own. Why is it so much on this In our county? I know I can't. I can't apply our county's justifications, but I would bet it would be something similar. Why am I paying so much for this for my RV? Oh, because you could use it as a dwelling if you wanted. How do, you, how do you counter that kind of asinine logic? RVs are allowed to be on the property. They don't seem to care. They still showed up. It showed that we couldn't have our animals here and be in our camper temporarily. So that's the reason we moved out. They were threatened with civil asset forfeiture if they complied with the law. Despite following the law, as already stated, the citation is for living in campers Slash RV. This is exactly what was allowed under the law. We had a case, we had a, a case yesterday we discussed on my other show, and one of the one of the um aspects of this justice system that we have is a system of fundamental fairness. Due process implies that people know what's legal and what's not legal, what behaviors are prohibited, what are not. This gentleman, he checked this out before he did this with his family. But the county just decides they're going to make up the rules as they go along, which is something everybody should figure out is the case if you've been paying any attention at all to this last year. So his attorney is saying this is a question about property rights. Absolutely. Mr. Leslie owns the property on which he situated his camper. And as a result, he has the right to live there as long as he's not harming anybody through his use. There's absolutely nothing in this article to show that anybody was harmed or anybody even complained. When we get into an article on another show following this up, we're going to get into the um, excuse that the county official used in Los Angeles County in an outlying area. there, saying, well, neighbors complained. Neighbors complained in an area where there were absolutely no neighbors other than jackrabbits and coyotes, according to the people that live there. But getting back to the present story, You would think that the media coverage on the case, coupled with the egregious nature of kicking a family off their own property for trying to survive a pandemic, would make officials rethink their move. This is what we discussed on the Wasatch Report yesterday when we had a guest on who was arrested for taking her children into a park that was closed due to uh, COVID considerations. You would think that possibly the media and the public, public opinion would be on their side, but that certainly isn't the case. So according to the TV interviewers, the county manager, the police chief, and the county commission chair all refused to comment on the case. But here the Polk County police chief, Kenny Dodd, had no problems standing behind the move. In an email to the news station, Dodd cited several codes for kicking the family off their own property, extorting them, and threatening to steal their property. According to the interviewer, one of them states, temporary buildings and trailers shall not be allowed in any district except when utilized for construction site contracting work. Well, also these people were in the process of building their home. Another requirement is that single families, family dwellings contain 1,200 square feet minimum. Is there any logic to this, Jeff? If this, if this motorhome had 1,300 square feet, could he stay? And what the hell difference does it make?
1: Hold on a second. What if he planned on building a, a tiny house? A tiny house. house that was 800 square feet. And he he could do it. He could live in a house that he could build two lofts and a bedroom downstairs, bathroom downstairs, living room downstairs, 800 square feet. And, and they could live in that house comfortably and be very, very happy. But government has spoken and they can't even build a tiny house like That's you see on I, TV.
0: Yep. And those are fantastic arguments. We see governments all over the place talking about sustainability. And, you know, and, and green technology and and, you know, all these other alternative means and reducing our consumption. And here's somebody that wants to do it and these tiny homes. And that wouldn't be allowed there either. We're going to take a quick break for our friends on Anchor and then we're going to continue this story. We'll be right back.
1: If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And you know what? It's free. And they have creation tools that will allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, and many more. And the best thing is, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor.fm to get started
0: all right everybody this is a red hot chili prepper and we're talking about an incident out in Polk county georgia where a family has been kicked off their land for having the unmitigated gall of putting in a recreational vehicle a motorhome, on their property while they were building the home set uh, they were struggling as a result to the draconian measures of covid and losing their job the husband purchased property and all well, husband and wife let's just say that and moved their family To this piece of land, put up their motorhomes, started to have their life there until the government showed up and said, "Not so fast." Where we left off was the police were were of course justifying their actions, saying that temporary buildings, trailers are not allowed. Although the zoning ordinances, when the uh, property owner did his research, said that he could have a recreational vehicle because it it's considered a dwelling. So. The, the police chief reference section 700.03, which lists the purpose of the code to include, here we go, aesthetic values of land and property. Constitutional experts disagree. The attorney said that there is no legitimate basis for them to kick the family from their property. And when you talk about this from a constitutional issue, typically what they use is the rational basis test for when it comes to local ordinances, that sort of thing, government regulations. So this is where they get you. This is where you don't own your land. What the constitutional standard is, is there a rational basis for a nexus, I should say, a nexus between a rational basis for the legislation and the legitimate purpose of the law, the government or state's interest? And here it is, aesthetic value in the community. Jeff, this is what we saw in Florida. Remember, we talked about the state actually from the state level usurping local communities. And again, I prefer local community regulations, communities governing themselves if we're going to have government at all. But they were so draconian with these little petty neighborhood tyrants saying, well, we don't want your vegetable garden in the front lot affects our property values. Why is that? Why, why would that possibly be? And the courts have upheld that. Well, these communities have a legitimate interest in having continuity of the neighbors. This is what we see in the homeowners associations, only certain palettes of colors, no decorations, no flags, that sort of thing. And, you know, when you get into a homeowners association, you sign on for that when you move into a place that has conditions, covenants and restrictions. But this is somebody that did not. They moved to a rural area where they thought they could be left alone. The attorney continues by saying there's nothing that says he can or cannot have a camper on his property. They're trying to combine or compile, beg your pardon, this mishmash of ordinance applications in order to be able to say you can't do this. But the reality is this is a unique use of property. It's one that's not contemplated by the city's ordinances. And for that reason alone, it should be allowed at least temporarily. I don't even think at least temporarily. The issue becomes, are you hurting or putting somebody else at danger? Again, we're going to explore that momentarily. So the family now, their move to become more sustainable is costing them money and livestock because they can't look after their animals at night. Coyotes are poaching the animals. Government is doing this to an innocent family for attempting to live a sustainable life on their own property. Folks, this is tyranny. Nothing short of tyranny. The fact that they are doing it when millions of people are unemployed and on the verge of starvation, that is not hyperbole. 150 million people are said to be predicted to be dying of starvation thanks to all these COVID restrictions. That makes it especially insidious. These people are doing what they need to do to survive. They're struggling financially. I think it's important that cities allow people some leeway. Again, look at the latitude government has granted itself in handling a virus from which you, if you're under 70 years old, have a what, five one hundredth of one percent of being, you know, of dying from. So the family's move is costing them money livestock. They're threatened with losing everything they own that's on the land as a form of civil asset forfeiture. Coyotes are poaching their animals. And again, they're on the verge of starvation. This is especially insidious. They're struggling financially. And uh, I agree with that. So as of now, the Leslie family is waiting for a court date to appeal their case and attempt to get back their property. This is what I find as an attorney so disturbing here. They're waiting for a court date to appeal their case and attempt to get back their property. Hopefully they're successful. You don't appeal your case for the first time in court. This is absolutely uh, atrocious because there is no presumption of innocence. If they're going to be cited, we are going to give you a court date and then you will appear. You don't have to prove your case here. They have to prove that you violated the laws.
1: I've been trying to get in because I wanted to ask you about this because it's something in the article.
0: This doesn't make sense. That's why I couldn't see. You You need to just interrupt.
1: (laughs) Okay. Well, it's it's really kind of confusing, this article, because it says they're in an area zoned agricultural. So I was thinking they're out in the country. They're away from the cities and stuff. But then in the article it says... It's one uh, one that's not contemplated by cities' the or- ordinances.
0: Organances, yes.
1: I, I, so I don't understand. So in one sentence, it says they're in an agricultural area, designated area, and then they're saying they're in a city ordinance. So I this I have to do a little research on this to kind of figure this out because it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, at least. I'm I'm okay. kind of wondering where the heck they are living that the city ordinances apply to an agricultural area. Uh, so it's. Kind of a little confusing here. We're going to have to figure that out. But, you know, it, in the end, it doesn't really matter. It's the fact that these ordinances exist at all that are destroying a family that's already lost their job, that's already struggling to just to survive. We're not even talking about thrive. We're talking about, at this point, trying to survive. And they're making it absolutely impossible for them to survive. And in the end, these people will probably lose everything because they'll have lost their, his uh, retirement. And the property that he used to buy with that retirement in the end because the government will keep this going until he has is completely out of money, totally bankrupted, and he's on the government dole. That's the end game of this whole thing. Sorry, but, thing this is- wasn't supposed to be political, but it's – I mean, there's where prepping in politics just run head on into each other. And there's just nothing you can say other than that because but, um, here we are. Uh, these people are being destroyed by government and all they're trying to do is you know is survive and make a living feeding themselves
0: the thing that's so frustrating too is i'm going to i got to raise two points here the people the, not only now do they have to divert funds that they could have used for their own livelihood to their attorneys but they also get to pay for the attorneys that are prosecuting them and persecuting them, the county employees, through their own tax dollars. That's the problem, people. We are forced through our tax dollars to fund the very entity that reigns over us with their tyranny. The other thing is also, you know, when we think of city ordinances, we're not just thinking cities like Chicago or Philadelphia, these big cities. Oftentimes we have these municipal entities, a.k.a. cities. In outlying suburban or rural areas, and then those ordinances can, depending on where your property lies on a purely arbitrary, you know, geographical position on a map, you could or could not be subject to them. Go ahead. Now I can see you waving, and I'll yeah. shut up. <laughs> I'm <laughs> on the other page.
1: <laughs> That's okay. Well, here's the thing: just to bring this back to prepping, so you're trying to get prepared, and you're trying—you're you're facing hard times. This family is facing hard times. He's lost his job. He's trying to feed his family. He's trying to do the best he can for his family. You're in a similar situation. You're trying to think about buying a piece of property somewhere and moving there and being sustainable and feeding your family. This show is about preparedness. Now we're introducing a problem for you that you're going to have to try to figure out in your area when you try to do this. You're going to have to go searching all the codes in your area, just to find out if you can do what you want to do on your on the property you intend to buy. So we just made a lot of work for you. I'm sorry, but you really need to do this because I'd hate to be reading this article about you in the future because you went to buy property and you found out that government was going to force you off your land because you weren't doing what they demanded you do.
0: Yeah, it's it's very frustrating. We're going to take a, another quick break for our musical sponsor Roxanne and uh, we will be back in just a moment music for this program has been brought to you by Roxanne courtesy of Rat Pack Records Radio Silence is the album and is available on Amazon, iTunes, Google Play Spotify, Rat Pack Records, com, and RoxanneBand.com All right, everybody. I'm Suzanne Sherman. This is the Red Hot Chili Prepper podcast. Jeff Johnson and our um, cyber studio audience are having a great discussion here on property rights, land ownership. We've been talking about a case in Polk County, Georgia, where a family has been essentially evicted from their land, even though, to their knowledge, they followed all of the relevant and applicable zoning ordinances. We're asking, do you really own your land? This is going to be part of a series That we're conducting a lot of the preparedness shows and videos that you see out there are pretty much how-tos. I like to wax philosophical a lot. And we're going to be doing this on property ownership. I really don't see a lot of the homestead pages cover this topic. And, you know, necessary to this topic is a consideration of your individual rights as a property owner. Versus the collective interest and the greater good, and whether or not your individual rights as a property owner can have an adverse impact on people in your community, too. And this ties into the other article. We're going to include two of them in today's discussion of the importance of being, I guess you could say, a homestead ambassador. How can homesteaders actually reach out and uh, instill some goodwill in their community? Now, up where I live in the mountains, it's not a big deal. But if you live in even a an area, even some places within city areas, you can have an acre of land or more where you can grow some of your own food. But you might be subject again to ordinances that say, well, we don't want any vegetable gardens in the front yard. We just did a show about the pros and cons of front yard vegetable gardens. So let's share some listener comments before we get back into it. Andrew wants to know any personal experiences from your recent rural property acquisition any surprises that you found
1: not really i already went in knowing a lot of it because uh, I have friends I bought the property directly adjacent to my friend's property and so they went through a lot of this stuff they had diff- they had difficulties at the very beginning uh, with the township it, it was there's a lot it's a long story and not really worth getting into but they had their issues early on once they overcame those issues it became very easy the zoning stuff is is pretty easy to get around up in in maine in that section in that area so no i really haven't had any surprises there are there are certain things that are really they're really um they're anal about and other things they just don't care about and also to my experience that this is an off the grid property there is no electric back in there they have no, I mean, it is back off where there's no electric. So it's, it's an off grid. So they just, it's not so much on the radar. So that helps there as well. So if you're looking for a property, you might want to consider finding a piece of property somewhere that's completely off grid. You'll have to have solar and, or in and wind or whatever to have electric. But in the end, it may be easier on you because you're really, really off the radar. They really just don't, I mean, it's not as big a deal. So at least in my part of Maine where I bought property.
0: Uh, Phil has a good comment too. It's the farthest one down. The government in many places has said you cannot put in septic systems. They can kill your options as far as I understand all outhouses and composting toilets are illegal in Utah. That's what I'm going to go by.
1: <laughs> hey, hey, <laughs> Phil, hey, come join me up in Maine. Uh, I have, I'm going to have to get this spring. I'm going to get a septic plan done by the county. So, I mean, come on out there. Hey, there is a little bit of freedom there in the Northeast, not much, but you know, it's a little bit better than that. I mean, I can at least have a septic system.
0: Let me tell you something else. Uh, Summit County is now advertising ways to, use this term, seduce you, convince you to use, if you have a wood stove, another alternative. Remember when I've been talking about the American Community Survey sent to us from our friends at the United States Census Bureau. They give you this community survey above and beyond the census that we get every 10 years. This comes out just whenever the heck they feel like it. I've had it sent to me now for several years. That is, look, don't take my word for it. Use whatever search engine you like. Put in the query American Community Survey. And you will see how intrusive these questions are, one of which are, do you own a wood stove? Now, in the People's Republic of California, you're not allowed to burn wood if you have an alternative means, such as a furnace, of heating your home. If you have solar, you cannot burn wood. Summit County, practically California, is Park City. The seat of government in the Summit County, Sandinistas, is now trying to, because they are on board with this whole Green New Deal thing, they are now trying to give you, again, incentives for changing out your wood stoves. Where do we go with this? They're asking nicely now. We're offering you incentives. But if you're one of those people that has a wood stove and you're stupid enough to tell them, eventually you're going to be outlawed and they're going to know where they can come and find these. Don't answer these surveys. I don't care if they say it's federal law. You know, the only, the only way that you have to answer the census legally would be, for purposes of representation in the House of Representatives. But to that, I say, tell me what they're doing that's constitutional and then give me the uh, argument that I have to do it. So let's talk a little bit now about the importance of homesteaders reaching out and being kind of goodwill ambassadors. What's really the benefit that we as homesteaders have to sharing our knowledge, sharing our, our enthusiasm for what is what can be considered an arduous practice you know i think a lot of people don't really like the idea of going out and feeding watering chickens when it's snowing outside or chickens are getting away or you know taking care of our animals and and you know it's it's not easy it's a lot of work but with great you know efforts come great rewards as well i came across this article that i thought was pretty cool and it was about homesteaders reaching out to actually help others and we talk frequently of building a community we've talked about this when it uh with regards to people having their community gardens and when i mean community gardens i don't just mean one because you're going to get people slacking off but everybody has their own and then they like to share and trade barter with their neighbors this can you know be uh, fruits vegetables eggs if you have chickens that sort of thing and if you have a community what's what's going to benefit you? Well, you're going to be less reliant on government assistance in the case of an emergency. You can help each other out. You can get along with each other better if you have a common purpose. So, you know, homesteaders, here's what this article says. This is uh, ruralsprout.com. I was going to share the writer's website, but when I went to her Facebook page, the first thing that she was saying was how happy she was she got her COVID vaccine. She loses credibility with me there, but this article, I think, is pretty is pretty cool. So, We're pretty lucky, even though that uh, homesteading is difficult, and uh, like I said, with with efforts come rewards. When misfortune strikes those around us, be it a storm that takes out the power or devastation or fire, as established homesteaders, we're uniquely able to offer resources, help, and advice. Going beyond this article, I came across an issue with a, a close friend yesterday. We had had plans for today, and she had to cancel them. Turns out her uh, daughter is getting some medical treatment today. She's very, very ill. And I could tell the mom was uh, extremely distressed over this. And as people that have taken time to acquire means of caring for ourselves in time of illness, uh, especially those of us that are moms and people that are also prepared and have things on hand, I offered her some assistance. First of all, did she need me to grocery shop while she was still in town? She had also just broken her foot. (laughs) And so I said, let me go do this, get you this. And so she didn't know what she needed at the time, but I gave her some advice and said, have this for your daughter. She's undergoing chemotherapy. This is what she's going to go through if she gets ill. Here are some things that you can have for her. I'm also going to bring her Saturday some eggs from my hen's. I'm going to bring her some elk stock when I have had bouts of intestinal uh flu or food poisoning, one of the first things I crave is again rehydration, and the elk stock I have found is something that my my sons always wanted also when they had been sick, so I'm going to bring that for her daughter as homesteaders. We can give some herbal remedies, some things that people can help and and you know when you have people appreciative of these efforts, guess what? When it comes time to these local tyrants in your community coming to pick on you, you're going to have allies. Maybe some of these people in the county government positions won't be supportive of these kind of efforts against you. You know, the fact that the police officer involved here and the police chief was defending what they were doing also raises the issue the uh, lady we interviewed on our other show when she was arrested in the public park for taking her children there to play her husband was a police officer so ask yourself now if you were in law enforcement are you really going to be okay with doing this to people we've seen for one year now draconian lockdowns businesses being shut down people being put out of business what is the one thing the one member of society that has made this possible. Phil, yes, we stock Pedialyte food storage for that reason. And that was the first thing I told her to get to. I said, okay, if you don't want me getting it for you today, get Pedialyte, have a little bit of baking soda if her stomach gets upset, have some ginger root. Ginger root, you want to just peel that, slice it, steep it in some water, slowly rehydrate her if she gets sick. But, you know, preppers just think about this stuff. We think about, you know, I mean, this poor mom is just trying to get her daughter through this. So this is a way, getting back to this article, how people that homestead can do this. Some other offers, they said, show up with a gift, fresh eggs, homemade jam soup. I love to give those as gifts. Uh, People want to learn how to do that. That's a way of spreading knowledge. Help people if they want to start a garden. Help them plan it. Help them do some planting if you want. Uh, Hopefully, these are people that can also, if they have a skill or trade, where they can help you out as well. But again, sharing the homesteading skills. I don't know. You could have a podcast about uh, homesteading. Imagine that. You could do videos showing people how to grow it and preserve it. And again, working with your community, organizing gardens, uh, working where some people can grow certain fruits, vegetables, other do others. You know, our community, we've got a, a group of wilderness instructors. It's called the WISE group, W-I-S-E. My good friend Phil was in there, Tyler, who was on our show the other day was as well find these groups where you can learn some skills there too we're going to wrap up the show after we do one more break for our friends over at anchor we'll be right back all right everybody we're going to be wrapping up the show here in the next few minutes Uh, this is the red hot chili prepper podcast i'm suzanne sherman jeff johnson as well phil clark mentions everyone needs to learn their local wild edible and medicinal plants absolutely especially out where i live one of the assets here is there are many, many plants that you can uh, live from and forage. In fact, when Phil's been out at our place before, I said, well, I don't think I have enough lettuce. I was going to make a salad and said, we'll be right back. And a few of these guys went out and we had plenty of good eats for all of us. Speaking of which, the dandelions are going to be coming up very soon. We'll be doing a show on that. So Jeff, what are, you, what are your thoughts on uh, some on a lot of this? I know I've been kind of running at the mouth today.
1: Well, I have uh, out in my bookshelf. I have the Encyclopedia of Verbal Remedies. So there's there's all kinds of different things. Uh, that was one that I had heard about. That was they said it was one of the best because it it is a very big book. It has all the regions of the the country, and it has the different things that are for different problems. So it it's a good resource to have. Then I have also one that's on um, foraging in the forest and stuff for edibles. So you can supplement your, your diet with things that, I mean, you can find uh, scallions and onions and all kinds of things. You can find things that are you can use in place of potatoes. There's all manner of things that you can find in the, in the forest to supplement, supplement your diet. And it, for the most part, it would probably be much more healthy than all these things that are coming from these big agri-corporations around the world. So find these uh, resources and start to use them. I, I have to start learning these things. I just have... I'm just, My time is just so taken up. I just don't have time to be learning everything. So I'm going to have to find somebody that's going to help me and take me out and teach me things.
0: My impression of corporate foods really changed after I saw the movie Food Inc. And the other movie I wanna see is Kiss the Ground. I think that's with Woody Harrelson. I have not seen that, I wanna do this again. But you know, we were talking, our our focus here has kind of been on people living in the outskirts away from the communities where I, I think it's very easy to make the argument that look, if you're not hurting anybody, you really should be left to your own devices, just like this family out in Polk County, Georgia. But what happens if you live where you do have neighbors next door? I am uh, an anarchist by nature. I don't like overlords, but I also believe in personal responsibility. But we also have to admit that we live in a world where personal responsibility and common sense are really the exceptions rather than the rule. So let's say you uh, live either, I've lived in an apartment buildings. I have lived in townhomes. I have lived in close proximity to neighbors. Hate it but it's what a lot of people do. So what's, what's the alternative? Let's say you have a neighbor that says, you know what, I really wanna live off grid. I'm gonna hook up my own you know, sort of generator or other way of wiring my house and I don't wanna do it the traditional way. And then you have a fire and your house burns down because of their mistake. So maybe there's a reason, maybe there's a reason for having these. I mean, we know that there are some benefits But what we have to do is draw the line and stop the arbitrary and capricious and hurtful enforcement of these regulations, particularly in times when people are already struggling. Bobby Lynn, we cannot be off-grid in Florida also without being fined or having your property condemned for at least a year during which you can't live on it. Well, I guess I'm not moving out there. I'm fairly sure that's correct, not 100% about the time span. And you know, here's the other thing. When I was when I sold my home in California to move out here, I called our power provider PG&E and said, "Yeah, I need to cut service." And they said, "Well, we're not going to let you cut your service until we need a um until we get a forwarding mail address." I said, "Why? I'm all paid up." What they wanted to do was make sure that I wasn't just cutting off my power. They had to know that I was moving somewhere else. So you really don't have that option. And is it for a good reason? I would hate to know that I lost my home because my neighbor didn't know how to properly set themselves up for power because they wanted to be off grid. I guess what I'm trying to say is if you truly want to be independent, you have to take the risks and the inconvenience that that come with being independent, meaning you're not going to have a grocery store on the corner. There's not going to be a Starbucks right down the street. I am a mile from my mailbox. I am 15 miles from a little tiny town. There are detriments. There are hassles that come with this, but I can also live in a manner where I am not putting anybody else at danger. So I think it's a little bit unrealistic to think that you can live in an urban environment or even with neighbors really, really close and uh think you can do what you want because there comes a time when you are putting them at risk. Go ahead, Jeff.
1: Yeah, that's one reason why I bought my property in Maine. It's the to go to a place where I can get away from civilization a bit while still being nearby. I can be in within about an hour, I can be at Walmart and Lowe's and all the other big things, but I'm far enough away that I can live off grid and for the most part. At this point in time, government doesn't get involved in me being self-sustainable. I mean, there is going to be some challenges with this. Again, we talked about it last uh, a couple shows ago about, you know, it really kind of stinks to say it this way, but you may have to sell out your property where you live now and find a property somewhere else to live. If, if your goal is to be self-sufficient and not being reliant on the grid and other people, unfortunately i hate to be the debbie downer on that but you may have to move
0: you know and this is another reason for uh having outreach and a uh, good community relations as phil says i believe in having community build one and live in that that others have the same beliefs and similar values that you have that that really does help having a lot less friction in the neighborhood i know in my little canyon here it's about four miles long there are three of us families And I've never once had an issue with them, even the other day when two of their dogs got out and attacked my chickens. Fortunately, I didn't lose any of my chickens. But things like that can actually cause a lot of uh, damage between neighbors. And that didn't, you know, was nothing at all for us. So the other thing, too, I'm, I'm talking about neighbors. Santa Clara County, I had two and a half acres of land. I was in an agricultural area. I was allowed to have two dogs. I have three. Well, if I was going to have more than two dogs, I was supposed to go and get a private kennel license. One of the requirements was I was supposed to have my neighbor's approval of having a kennel license. You know, I never sought their approval. I never sought the license and nothing ever, ever came of it. But again, you might be subject to your neighbor's approval. If you want to do something, you always want your neighbors on your side. Petaluma, This is another problem when you live in a community with people close by. I remember when I lived in California, they came down with an ordinance that said, if you want to use chemical sprays in your backyard, you must give your neighbors 24 hours notice. Do you own your land? Do you not? Or is your land use subject to the limitations of your neighbor's use and enjoyment of their land? My neighbors would complain when we would drag the arena. I would I would water the arena first, but when they dragged their arena, that would be fine. The dust there didn't matter. They complained about the weeds in my field getting into their garden. I mean, you know, there are so many problems you can avoid by not having neighbors, I have to say. And we have the issue of function versus aesthetics for the English speakers that we covered earlier. And in that with that case, we talked about in Polk County, Georgia. They said the police were justifying their draconian behavior over an issue of aesthetics, not public safety. Shame on them. I will want to follow that case up. Um, so I think uh, that's enough for for one day. I want to thank everybody for joining in. And uh, Jeff, really appreciate your help on this. I want to remind everybody, please go ahead.
1: And I just want to remind people that so now my All-American is in. So Suzanne and I are talking about it and we're going to do a multi-part, we're going to do Facebook Live because it's going to, it lends itself to being live. And we're going <laughs> to do, um, what's that? Cooking with Jeff. Well, it's going to be Canning with Suzanne and okay. Jeff. So anyway, <laughs> we're going to be doing it soon. Uh, I'm not quite sure when, we haven't set a date. I, it's going to take a little bit because... I need to get a few things around, and it has to be a time when we have a little bit of time to do multiple shows on uh, during the day. So it is coming, and I know Andrew is happy about it, and I'm sure there's others out there that will be very happy to do it. I have never pressure canned once in my life. So this will be interesting, folks. So join us for that. You have something to look forward to now.
0: Grab your balls. It's time to can. All right, everybody, this has been the Red Hot Chili Prepper podcast. Thanks for listening.